0: You're listening to the Maple Leafs Hot Stove Podcast with Alec Brownscombe, Anthony Petrelli, and Declan Karen. In this episode, the guys will break down their impressions
1: of the first nine games of the Leafs' 2018-19 season, line by line, pairing by pairing.
2: Welcome, everyone, to the Maple Leafs Hot Stove Podcast. This is Alec Brownscombe, joined, as always, by Anthony Petrelli and Declan Karen. First off, it's been much longer than we wanted in between episode three and four, and we want to apologize to the audience for that. Uh, getting all three of our, our schedules to line up has been a bit challenging of late, but we're back and doing this episode at an interesting time for the Toronto Maple Leafs. There's, of course, the, the nagging sort of black cloud of the William Nylander contractual situation that's sort of hanging over what's been overall a pretty good 6-3-0 and and start by the Leafs. But one that I think has fallen a little bit short of many fans is uh, lofty expectations entering the year. Just to bring everyone up to speed for for when we're recording here, the win, obviously the season started with the win over the Habs, uh, a win that left a lot to be desired as far as the team's performance and even strength. And then they went into Ottawa, which spurred on to some concerns, uh, the loss there at home. They responded with, with a win over Chicago in a sloppy sort of, 13-goal shootout that was uh, exciting for sure, but not necessarily reassuring as far as how the team played at 5-on-5. Fast forward from there, there were a couple really solid performances in the wins over Dallas and Washington that I think stand up as probably their two best wins to date through nine games. Then a couple of decent showings as well in wins over Detroit and Los Angeles. Since then, there have been back-to-back losses to Pittsburgh and St. Louis at home, where the team's big guns have sort of inevitably stopped putting up the video game numbers they were every night in the early going, and suddenly the team couldn't really score. And again, we're not putting in the most inspiring of efforts at 5-on-5 in either of those games. So that adds up to 6-3 and through 9, which is pretty good on the surface, but they've only played, I believe, three playoff teams from last year so far. The team's 5-on-5 possession numbers have been decidedly average, or below average even, and the secondary scoring has been absent. In addition to the usual concerns about the state of the blue line, so it's largely been about the top-end scoring and the special teams that have put the Leafs in the position where they are with six wins through six wins through through nine games at this point. So let's start with you, Anthony. Uh, what kind of impressions have those first nine games left on you? Are you are you pleased? Are you underwhelmed? Uh, or is this sort of what you expected at this point?
0: Uh, it's a little bit what I expected. Um... Like, they're, they're going to score a lot, obviously. Their defense isn't the greatest, obviously. Uh, you know, they're still... Like, they don't dominate teams. Like, they might do so scoring-wise, but they don't do it on, like, run of play by any means. Um, you know, teams have already started to clog the neutral zone against them and basically force them to dump it in, which we figured, out, figured was going to happen. Um, you know, it, like, they're... The only thing that's like surprising to me is they're not nearly as deep as I thought they might be. Like the-
2: Yeah, that's what I was going to say, Anthony. Is that it does? I was going to say that intro that I just gave kind of felt a little bit like hand-wringing given sort of the record and the, the off-season additions they made, and they're still on a 100-point pace right now. But you take Nylander out of the equation right now. You subtract a JVR. Marlowe is a year older, and he definitely looks it. You've got what looks to be a bit of a regression from Connor Brown and Andreas Janssen right now. And suddenly it seems like the Leafs don't really have maybe the the top nine wingers. we I mean, maybe thought they did. Is that what you're getting at?
0: Yeah, a little bit. Um, but like we also said in the summer, like I, there was like this like crazy Andreas Janssen, like love fest going on. And it said like, he's an older, he was an older prospect. Um, you know, like, there wasn't anything to suggest he would be having like a special season. And there were people just like thinking that he was going to be like a Calder candidate. Like, you know, like that (laughs) just wasn't realistic. And the other thing too, is like, we're seeing with some of these guys, like I think Kapanen's a good example of like, if you have a talented young player and then you put him on the fourth line, like you can't expect him to do much like that. Like, you you know I know people hate like talking about role players and stuff, but like that's why you have role players, like that's why like Gauthier goes in and like suddenly looks a little respectful because all they're saying is like play nine minutes a night, but like do it effectively, and you know finish your checks and whatever, and he can do that, and we saw that last year with um, like Washington and Vegas, like they just had like you know physical. Um, energy lines. I could kind of like change a game, and the Leafs just put put out basically extremely watered down versions of their top two lines as their bottom two lines, and they do nothing. Like a lot of lines just
2: taking shifts. Yeah, I mean they're obviously in in great shape down the middle. Uh, I don't think we can take that for granted, but they they really do need Willie, I think, very badly, and then I think. Think I mean, those those issues you described were there last year as well with Willie, so keep that in mind. But I think things do start to settle down, just as far as he clicks the lineup a little bit more into its proper alignment with the way it sort of trickles down. Maybe it gives Naz more of a line mate in Kapanen, in addition to him greatly improving the Matthews line, which to me has not been good, at least not uh, consistently so at five on five, right from the first game onward. Uh, Declan, how are you feeling about things through nine games?
1: I'm kind of on this I'm thinking the same thing you guys are essentially I think the team has tons of talent I think they lack a bit of an identity at this stage they don't have um they don't have different looks like Anthony's saying line three and line four watered down versions of the first two and yeah that's that's kind of how it how it looks they don't have any hate to use the the term but heavy players outside of Hyman or Capitan. um They lack in in the one-on-one battles and and physical confrontations. I'm not talking about, you know, Wendell Clark or Gary Roberts hitting, but just like two guys going for a puck, they get muscled off of pucks really easy. They don't have anyone, you know, really strong in their skates other than, you know, Taveras and, you know, you start running out of names pretty quickly. The GOAT. (laughs)
2: Yeah, it, it, <laughs> I mean that's why he's in the lineup, really. Yeah, yeah, but I
1: mean, if if uh, if they can't go all offense, they're not able to to, to wrestle out a, a one nothing game against Pittsburgh. Like it's just not their that's not in their DNA. I think they need to change the roster up a little bit via trade, and or if there's someone on the Marlies that can help, which I don't think there is at the moment. But I think they need uh, they need a little bit of a, a change in their lineup to uh, to add that element.
2: And speaking of the lineup, let's this is kind of what we wanted to do is the main thrust of the episode is just kind of start with line one and just work our way down and give our thoughts on what we're seeing each of us so far from, from the line combinations we've mostly seen through nine games. Uh, Let's start with Marlo Matthews and Kapanen. Obviously Marlo uh, hasn't really looked himself. Obviously that has people wondering a little bit if father time might be knocking at the door a little bit there. Uh, Matthews as well, I would say, has another level to find at five on five. As good as the production has been, Kapanen's kind of got off to, I guess it was a, initially in a roaring start when he joined the line. But I don't necessarily see him as an ideal winger for Matthews. in In my estimation, to me, that that winger combo with Marlowe and Kapanen doesn't really work. As far as neither really carries the puck much, and as much as Kapanen can kind of, can kind of do it when he has the bit between his teeth, Marlowe and Matthews are not big physical guy. They're big, but they're not physical guys. So that line can kind of go periods without ever going and getting the puck back or establishing a much of a forecheck. Uh, is that how you're kind of seeing the line one at this point, Anthony?
0: Yeah. The line one last year was head and shoulders better. Like, let's just call it what it is. Like that, that line last year was one of the best in the league. They were controlling like over 55% of the shots. Um, I forget what their scoring numbers were but like their goal differential was disgusting.
2: Yeah, Matthews and 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 Nylander I think was 52-4 and 26 against or yeah. something like, <laughs> like that. Pretty decent. Yeah. Silly stuff,
0: right? Like <laughs> Yeah, it's like okay. Nylander, obviously <laughs> Nylander's not here but if he's when if when whatever he comes back and we'll talk about that a little bit later. Um like I don't know how you don't reunite that line and then also reunite Marlowe and Marner because Like, that Hyman, Tavares, Marner line, like, they've had nice moments, but by no means have they been dominant either. Like, they're not, like... They don't have a single line that can go out and tilt the ice right now. Like, if they're getting outplayed or they're not generating anything, there's not a single line that they could put out and be like, we can reliably count on this line to change the game. Whereas last year, like, that Matthews line was doing it for pretty much the whole season. And, I mean, the other lines were a bit of a joke for the first half because... Um, you know, you had Bozak and JVR, just, I won't even get into their style of play, but, you know, they were just like, just had such a negative effect on Marner. I'll I'll leave it at that. And then, you know, they rejigged it a little bit with, with Naz and Marner and Marlow. And suddenly the Leafs had like two good lines and it just a world of a difference, but like they can't possibly be sitting there. And this is as someone who who said a lot last year that they should try Marlow and, and Matthews, and I'm not giving up on it, but I'm saying like it does not look good right now.
2: What do you think if you added
1: Willie to the other side of that? I, it I think it the, changes the, the dynamic completely. Yeah, it definitely it's, would. But Marlow doesn't like handling the puck a lot, and Matthews, is, as good as he is at handling the puck, doesn't like it in certain areas of the ice, and Kapanen is not a natural uh, a natural playmaker or likes to handle it through three zones. I think if you had someone like Nylander that goes through, likes to pick it up on as low as he can in in the D zone and go essentially almost end to end, curl up, set up and, uh, and conduct play. Like they don't have anyone that wants to conduct play through three zones like that. And I I think if you had someone, if you had Nylander doing that, then that, that makes Marlow better. He doesn't have to overhandle the puck as much. He's, he's getting, you know, he's, he's cleaning things up rather than trying to make plays in areas of the ice. He's not comfortable doing so.
0: It would for sure be better, but I still don't think Marlowe brings what Hyman does to that line, which is turn the puck over for check, go to the net. Like Marlow's, Mar- Marlow will go to the net, but like, I like Marlowe uh, like four or five feet away from the crease. And I like Hyman about six inches away from the crease. Yeah. <laughs> so it's different. It like the dynamics are different on the ice. And like, we know that Marlow and Marner work and we know that, Well, we don't know for sure, but um, I think Tavares can definitely (laughs) upgrade what Kadri was doing, which was still really good, but like, you know, Tavares is a better player than Naz, but also plays like a similar hard-nosed style. Maybe not as much of a a headhunter as Kadri can be, and not like dirty that way. And not, I don't mean Kadri is dirty in a bad way, but just, you know, Kadri is a bit more of an edge, but Tavares himself plays like a heavy cycle game like head down yeah right like I to me that would be like the ideal mix um in their top six whereas right now like you know Kapanen looks good because like twice a game someone overpasses the puck (laughs) yeah someone overpasses the puck by like five feet and then he wins the race down the ice and gets a scoring chance and they're like well that showed up in the highlights like Kapanen looks good but like for a large part of like, shifts, and especially when they play good teams, like, nothing's happening there. Nothing's happening between Marlowe and Matthews, like, at all. Right? Unless, like, unless, if there's, like, a play breakdown, they're both skilled enough to, like, make it work. You know, like, if the other team misses, like, a back check or something like that, like, they'll exploit it. But when teams are playing structured against them, like, they're not creating anything.
2: Yeah. Yeah. And before we go on to to line two, let's just touch on Matthews really quick. Obviously, setting like 100-year-old records and stuff, but like top 10 player in the league, I think we can all agree, probably the best overall goal scorer in the league. But there has been this thing starting to get him into that Crosby discussion with people and in the media, and as far as just being an overall dominant center, I, I think he, for his role on that line, I do want to see him win more matchups head-to-head with the best of the best what you know he got I mean this was a story last year too right Anthony like he down the stretch in the playoffs he got cleaned out a lot last year in the playoffs at five on five and it's not really changed this year like I didn't love his game against Kopitar I only saw bits of that because I was in Vegas but and then Crosby obviously I think he walked away with I don't know 20 or 30 percent possession in that game and I guess against St. Louis he was mostly up against O'Reilly if I'm recalling correctly and like I just, I don't know, how do, do you think, like, like, what is Matthews' role in that, in that overall discussion about line one's kind of ineffectiveness at 5-on-5? Five five? He was
0: basically unplayable against Boston, against their top line. Like, not in the whole series, but, like, you couldn't possibly feel good with him going up against that line. And it's not just him. I mean, there's two other guys on his line as well, but, like, that Bergeron line was just, Boston was looking for that matchup as much as they could. So... And, you know, Sid Sid handed his lunch to him. Like, let's just call it What he it is. He does it every and night. And there's no shame in that. Like, he's... For my money, if... Yeah, like, it's a one... If, you know, if I've won game and I really need to win it, like, Sid's the first, my first pick. So, um, there's no shame in that. But, you know, he's... He struggles in his own end. Like, no one really wants to talk about it, but... When the games like slow down and it's a bit more of like a half court type offense, kind of what I call it, right? Where like teams are like a little bit more cycly and grindy, um, and the game moves like a little bit slower. Like he loses his man in coverage; um, he gets caught watching the puck a lot. Like good teams, good teams, and good players expose that, and it happens to him quite often.
2: Let's jump into line to obviously John Tavares I think has more like he has been great he wasn't great certainly against St. Louis um, but more or less has come as advertised he's a stud he's consistent uh, albeit he's not going to be an impact guy every single night obviously but Hyman I think stands out like a sore thumb on that line just because he actually forechecks and drives the net Uh, Martyr got off to the video game numbers kind of start and has cooled off a little in the last two but also, I would say has been among the more consistent leaps. Declan, would you say that this has been the team's most consistent line through nine games? Even if it's not like even even this line is probably the, the best on the team right now. It's not even breaking even possession wise, right?
1: Yeah, I'm not seeing the same same level of, of chemistry and, and ability to to not be one and done offense. Um, I I think part of that is in this. Maybe we're, we're jumping ahead a little bit here, but that part of that is how much they're playing against, or how much they're playing with Gardner and Zaitsev. They're really struggling this year. It's really bad. Uh, so the, the the forward line that's going to be playing with them the most is going to is going to suffer. I mean, Zaitsev is having like mental breakdowns in the ice. I I don't think we put it in a game review yet, but he's he iced the puck in his first touch like by a mile. In two straight games, right? two straight games, and then Gardner did the same thing the next game, and you're kind of going, like, these guys are just, they're melting down without even, (laughs) without the game even starting, you know? Uh,
0: That's a good point. We don't talk about that enough. Like, that, like, the line has been probably better than I just gave it credit for. Like, that, it just sewers them playing with those guys. Like, literally can't move the puck.
2: Are you done with line two? Been Like i I'm saying to they're to a little one? bit
0: better than yeah. I probably just gave them credit for just yeah. now in terms of, like, what an absolute sewering playing with Gardner and Zaitsev is. Like, honestly, <laughs> yeah. like, you're, like...
2: We'll, we'll get into that. Let's wait to get into that for the pairing discussion. But, Anthony, are you seeing anything worth mentioning? I mean, I think I'm with you on let's move Hyman up to where he was so effective last year. But then you kind of wish you had Hyman on both lines, right?
0: Yeah, I mean, like... I didn't want to get into this, like, right away to start the pod, but, like, realistically, let's call it what it is. Like, they're a soft team. They're soft. Um, They want to play a skill game, which is fine, but, like, when the game's not a skill game, they don't want to make an adjustment. Like, they just want to keep trying to plug away, and, you know, they don't have a bunch of guys that drive the net. They don't have a bunch of guys that draw power plays because, again, they play soft. Um, You know, teams are basically daring them like they're daring them to dump it in and get it back and they just they can't and they can't like swing games when things aren't going their way like i was i was at that ottawa game i'd mentioned in uh in a notebook like i was at the ottawa game and and nothing was going for them and they scored that really nice power play goal and that was like their idea of like a um like a momentum swing but like like nothing happened after that basically like they you had to follow
2: it you had to follow it up with a bit of a ice-tilting sort of heavy shift idea. Yeah, you can't score nice goals. It doesn't come ever with this team sometimes. You can't
0: score nice goals every shift. Like, that's just not a real thing. Like, you need to just have, like, good shifts where you're, like, in the zone and you're dominating and you're plugging away, but you're not, you know, necessarily scoring, but you're just hemming teams in and you're tilting the ice, and they're just completely unable to do that. Like, there's guys that I think are capable of dumping a puck in and getting it back, are zach Hymond and maybe the end
2: like, <laughs> yeah. yeah connor connor brown is really going yeah and yeah. it's
0: not the be all yeah. and end all i'm not saying they need to be this dump it in grind it team like i don't want that to get confused but i'm saying you need to you need to have that element to your yes team, and it needs to be period. more than one guy like you need to be diverse a little bit here and they're not yeah. like we said the bottom two lines are just watered down versions like they're just you know that's the nice way of putting it the real way is they're crappier versions of the top two lines And and then, like, they don't do anything.
2: On that note, let's jump to, oh boy, line three's been a work in progress, I guess is a generous way to say it. Like, Kadri started there, I guess, with Lebo and Brown, with Lebo on his off wing. That didn't really work whatsoever. Uh, Eventually, Babs, I think, identifying what we said, like, this, this forward group needs someone with a little bit of size uh, and obviously wanted to acclimate Lindholm on that wing he put Lindholm up with Kadri and that's what we've seen lately we've seen Kadri Lindholm and Brown and I think Kadri's effort really hasn't been in question for me but I think it's just pretty simple when it comes to this analysis it's just a quality of teammates
1: issue for him would it not be Declan yeah I agree with that totally I think I like really like Connor Brown I always have since as far back as as the Marlies and even the the Erie Otters but I mean he's He does not look good. He just uh, he's taking shifts and doesn't do a lot else. The other, you know, and I think Lindholm. I mean, I think he's he's a good little spark plug for Cadre on that line, but he's trying to figure the league out. And and Cadre doesn't have anyone to play with as a left-handed centerman. You want a good right, a good right hand or uh, right winger he doesn't have a good right-winger to play catch with right now. Like he had Marner before, and, and that really worked. And it's uh, Nylander for small stretches last year, and that wasn't the greatest, but it worked better than this. I mean, it's just there's no one there's no one for him to play off of, you know?
2: And I guess it's just kind of in a holding pattern, isn't it, Anthony? You're just waiting for someone. You're waiting for the Nylander thing to resolve, and then maybe you give Kadri in. But but failing that, say that the Nylander thing stretches another week or two, which I don't think it will. I think we're actually getting somewhere there finally. But do you not think there's probably we should maybe see a little bit more than we have as far as getting Kadri on to JT's wing? Because we saw it a little bit, I believe in preseason and then a little bit in the first couple games and it always was a spark. And we haven't, I think I don't think we've seen that in, in four or five games. I could be wrong because again, I was away for a week. But just to get him more involved, not just on the power play, but at 5-on-5, five five, were you expecting Babcock to kind of to pull that, that out of his sleeve a little bit more often than he has, yeah, I mean?
0: yeah, like, it makes sense just to, like, get him a spark, but also, like, sometimes when the team needs a spark. Like, Naz is probably the only other guy that can go out there and have a shift that kind of, like, changes the tone of a game. But, like what's the purpose of their third line? Like, I don't understand what they're supposed to be doing on a shift to shift basis. Just twist twisting in the wind. And like, yeah. I, it has
2: been since, since the start. And of I the
0: agree game. that like, obviously for Naz, like he's a really good player. It's obviously, he's obviously hindered by his line mates. Nobody's going to fight that. But there's also a lot of times where I've been watching them and I'm like, you know, 10 minutes have gone by. I was like, where's Naz? Like what, wh- yeah. where he been for the last like 15, 10, whatever minutes in the game? Like, did did he take shifts? Yeah. I don't know. Like, did like, <laughs> did you get a shot on net? Did you like hit somebody? Like, literally anything. So
2: he doesn't he doesn't to Declan's point he doesn't really have wingers to work off of offensively and he doesn't really have anyone who kind of brings or like joins him in the fight as far as Nas playing being nasty Nas chipping on the forecheck and stuff like he's just he's a he looks lost to me because he's just I mean this was kind of what we feared a little bit with. The, the Tavares edition, but it's been greatly exacerbated, as it not just by the Nealander holdout. Like, has anyone suffered more as far as linemates because of Nealander's absence than Kadri?
0: Definitely not. No. And the other thing too is like yeah. Levo on his left wing is not good. Like, that's I like Levo, been like the Levo fan club the last few years while he's been eating popcorn. But like that guy can't play his off wing. Like, you need to be a really good player to play on your off wing.
1: who's playing on their off wing in the league these days is it's a pretty short list of like skilled players that are aren't doing it out of necessity they're actually you know like is it like radulov vechkin artemi
0: panarin who non-russian is playing on their off wing yeah (laughs) it's just like what are we doing here and like i to me like i think back to to pittsburgh when they kind of like toiled in the wind for a few years and we were all sitting there like are sid and malkin only going to win one cup together and then, yeah, what changed, I was thinking about that earlier on today. What changed for them? They got some feisty young guys in the lineup: Connor Sheary, Brian Rust, right? And, they can skate. And they, they'll bang a bit. And then they got some like, just like gritty vets, like filling out lines. Like, and again, like these aren't guys that are like going out there and like killing people. Like Matt Cullen isn't killing people. But, like, he understands his role on the fourth line and what he's bringing, and everyone sort of, like, has their purpose out there on the ice. And, like, people forget, but when Pitt won their, like, back-to-back cups, at the end of, like, both of those series and, like, in the final minutes of, like, games that they were closing, Matt Cullen was in their top six. Like, they moved him to the wing, and they had him taking D-zone draws, and they just had him as, like, a defensive specialist. Now, in what world... Would the Leafs possibly go to yeah, <laughs> Janssen or Levo? Yeah. Like, that's just
2: like. And it's it feels. I can't believe we're still talking about it because I thought this would be something that would have been solved in the offseason. Like, we're not doing this three, four years in a row, are we? With
1: How hard is it to get a fourth line sentiment, yeah, right? No,
2: seriously. And so that uh, natural segue, let's talk about L4. Uh, I don't want to totally bag it. I think this would be. Uh, I think it would be much. Different story. The Leafs had more going on at five on five offensively throughout their top nine. And like if they have a, a line three that was working, sure. you might view this a little bit differently because I think it was it was that Kenton Hitchcock quote the other day about this these days you need a one, two, three punch, and then your fourth guy has to be a defensive player from a forechecking checking standpoint more than anything else. And I think in that respect, I think Go actually done a decent enough job. Like he's he's obviously big, and now that he's not sort of lugging himself around out there he can get from A to B a little bit better and cover more of the ice. He can be pretty disruptive out there just with his size and reach. So I can, I can see why Babcock has him in because there's so, so little of that elsewhere in the lineup. But at the same time, obviously Goethe could go 20 games without a point really easily. He may do that, right? (laughs) Which isn't really going to do it. And, you know, so far the, the wings, the wings there have been a rotation between Ennis and Johnson and Levo this line, I wouldn't say Anthony has been the worst. It just hasn't really found a way to chip in offensively yet. I
0: haven't minded them at, to be honest. Uh, yeah. They haven't been bad. Um, they've kind of just done their job. I, I don't want to pick on them too much because I don't know what, based on the personnel that they currently have, I don't know what more we could possibly, like they're taking pretty good shifts. Um, they're not you know getting dominated. They're definitely not costing the team. Are they bringing anything? It's debatable, but <laughs> you know, in terms of a fourth line, or is that the issue with the team? I just I think like the the forward mix is just a little bit off right now, and Nylander would obviously change that a little bit. But I had mentioned going into the season, I think that they'll have to acquire a forward for their bottom six, and possibly two. And I still stand by that. I just I don't I don't know what the purpose of the bottom two lines are at this point. I don't think Babcock does either. He's semi-alluded to Kadri getting like that shutdown rollback, which doesn't make sense. Really make sense to me. And then
2: yeah, because today, today he mentioned I want Matthews and Tavares around the 19-minute range, which just do the math and you can't have Kadri taking top line up yeah. top line matchups and, and keep that in place and get those two guys into the rhythm they need to be in. Yeah. Right? So then, what's the point
0: of the fourth line here? just take shifts and hopefully they score once in a while yeah. they, they're capable of that I guess
1: part of the strength of the fourth line as well as I think is they're playing a lot with Thurman and Ozzy Um they play a shorter game they play more uh, sort of a, a traditional short breakout passes five-man group and against most teams in the league they're gonna look really good pretty well every night right yeah,
2: yeah. And, and I don't mind leave on the power looking playing. forward looking forward. Anthony when Neilander does get back do you we we're talking about that sort of interminable 4C dilemma which just sort of seems unacceptable that we're even talking about it still but do you see Lindholm as the long term like what what you've seen from obviously they're acclimating him on the wing he's shown he's pretty aware defensively he's got a little bit of craftiness to him offensively but he's obviously adjusting to the league do you do you see him as the the long-term solution there, once Nylander gets back and kind of pushes everyone down in their proper place?
0: Yeah, I hope they give him another look. The other thing, too, that I'll add, um, you know, with our once-if-Nylander-returns scenario here, um, Connor Brown's playing pretty much like a fourth-liner. You know, uh, I know everyone's super high on him as a player after, like, his rookie season and 20 goals and all that, but he's, he's not...
2: Five, five empty nets. Yeah, he's non-existent
0: offensively, right? Like, he's not dangerous. Um, and that's, you know, he's good on the PK. He's good on the four check. He's decent in his own end. Fourth liner in this day and age. That's what a fourth liner does. So.
2: And let's jump, guys. I just realized we're at the half-hour mark, so let's get into the deep pairings before we run out of time for that. Uh, Gardner, Zaitsev, we pretty much covered there. Uh, the pairing's never been good together nothing's changed <laughs> we talk we talk about how frustrating it is often to watch this team throw pucks away with with kind of low percentage stretch passes high flips into the into the neutral zone and high off the glass plays into the neutral zone to no one and they i would say are the worst offenders on the team as far as that goes are they not Declan?
1: yeah I, I would say it's pretty uh i would say they take the cake on that one they're not playing well together um guards usually fix anyone that plays with Gardner usually nets out I mean they're gonna they're gonna have the puck a lot his his stat or his ability to hold on to the puck and possess it um it's probably the best in the team and on the on the Leafs decor but um they're they're oil and water to me I don't I don't like them together one bit um there's not a lot of options obviously is Hainsey and Gardner going to be any better I don't no, is Zaytsev <laughs> and Riley going to be like you put Zaytsev, who's struggling with Riley, as a as the top pair? No, we've <laughs> been there. You know, so now that you're looking at what was he gone off? is where do you put Ozzy? Can you move him up and get some? Like it's a, it's a, not a not a great spot for a coach to be. Just um, Justin Hall figure into this somehow. Does Hainsy take a seat? I I don't know. Like it's the right side is really weak for the Leafs.
2: Yeah, I mean, I think. Maybe this DeCoursey getting somewhere if you have Zaitsev on a bottom pairing with Dermot, but there's no one. Obviously, that's the piece they've been looking for for a while now. So, yeah, Anthony, how do you how do you see the overall? I mean, the other two pairings, I think, in defense of the Gardner Zaitsev pairing, which is taking a shellacking and deservedly so. The other two pairings, at least, are kind of going. I guess like Hainsy got off to... A pretty inauspicious start, I would say, and he still, I didn't, I mean, his, his game against the Blues wasn't great either, but I think he did, he has settled in at least a little bit, and Riley is obviously off to that Bobby Orr-like start offensively, uh, cheesy apples aside. Uh, he's loving playing two-thirds of the time, I think, with, with Matthews or JT, and is obviously feeding a lot of confidence offensively right now, to say the least, but that pair, I would say, has had some some bad moments, but you were pointing out in your notebook they're actually in the high fifties, I think, right now in possession numbers. Is that right?
0: Yeah, I mean, they've they've been relatively decent. Um, I, I know Deck was Deck was really worried about Hainsy in preseason. I kept saying this guy's a vet; his his legs are going to take a little while to start moving, <laughs> um, which I think has definitely held true. He's
1: Shot across the Yeah, bow. He's definitely
0: gotten Declan a little bit remodel? better since then. He looks he looks
1: awful, dude. Yeah. He does not look he, good. He
0: definitely doesn't look good, but um I mean you thought he was gonna be like out of the league come like January January one at one point. He's
1: playing with he's playing with superstars. You mean you gotta be able to play a little bit, I don't right? Think, I don't he, think he's Randy's gonna look super everyone's super gonna look good. And I don't think Marlowe's a
0: superstar, and I don't think is a superstar. So he's playing with one superstar
1: like what about JT? What about Marner? That's
0: not his usual linemates, and they he, and they've been he, respectable He, he plays a good deal with them. So um, I yeah. hear what you're saying, but there are two young guys. He's that, junk. Like, are like you literally can't play them together with with Tavares and Marner. It, I I don't think Hainsy has been their biggest issue, put it that way. But should he be on the top pair with Riley? No. Do they have a bunch of great options? Also, no. If nope. Zaitsev doesn't well, have I guess the contract... You, you,
2: you're considering that their top pair, right? Because like time on ice-wise, I guess it's technically know, Zaitsev.
0: But yeah, I'm considering them top pair. Also, if if yeah. Zaitsev doesn't have the contract that he does, where is he right now?
2: I, I don't know. He's he's maybe in that 6-7 mix, and you're talking about taking him yeah. out uh, then there's the, for the occasional uh, press box. And there's this weird probably. thing
0: where, where Babcock waxes poetic about him seemingly once a week this guy's our I best think
1: he's guy just trying to stop pump up his confidence
0: cycle. I think he's trying to do that too but holy cow calling him the best guy at stopping the cycle
2: he's, he's always been overly full of praise for Zaitsev and I think Zaitsev is one of those guys who has crises of confidence mm-hmm. and it's probably a big part of it but talking of the other pair uh, Dermot's ice time and maybe this is I guess in a really hopeful scenario could be a part of a solution to what we're talking about, which is that Anthony you pointed out in your notebook and it's something I talked about previously in a review is that Travis Dermott's ice time while it's been up and down. It is, I guess the, the trend line is, is headed North. Uh, he's still 40 or 50 games into his NHL career. and Babcock is, uh, he's right to bring him along slowly and properly. Didn't think he looked good against the Blues. He got caught on the the wrong side of the puck a couple times, weak on the puck on two of the goals along the wall. But there have, I would say, been more good games than, than bad there and how well he moves the puck. He's obviously a, a part of the solution. I guess, Anthony, do you think he might get there on merit as far as the top four role sooner than later? Or maybe more on necessity, you wonder if he does end up in the top four role before the end of the year?
0: A bit of both. I mean, if they... If they actually acquire a top four defenseman, I don't think he'll be in the top four. Um, but I think they would still have to consider it over Hainsy at that point. I I think they're pretty much at this point. The thing is, after Ozygannov had you know went was taken to school by Thomas Shabbat, I mean, he was like he was roasted beyond belief on that goal. He's settled in. He's once a game, he seemingly stares down a four-checker and passes it right on his tape. <laughs> Otherwise, he, he's been pretty, all things considered, pretty good. Like, I don't know how much more you could expect out of him. Than...
2: Yeah, I kind of like him just as far as like his size and his range, and he's long. And the fact, he can, you're right, he does have uh, a moment or two a game that just makes you cringe. Like, he, he, can, he can get his head up and move the puck well enough. And it, he's flashed a little bit of involvement offensively, I think, but he's still... Obviously, there's been some absolutely horrible games in there isn't it, as well. Like, Deck, I know you've been a fan of Ozzyganov early. Are you... At the same time, are you a little bit... Well, first, give me sort of your take on what you've seen from There, Are you a little bit surprised that we haven't at least seen uh, Justin Hull, hot, like, rotated in at some point here?
1: Yeah, he's better... Ozzyganov's better than I thought he was going to be, and I think that's probably why I'm I'm kind of big on him. I thought he was going to be maybe just a six... But, he, you know, he kind of looks like he might be a little bit higher than that. Maybe you can slot him in on the right side higher in the lineup. Maybe maybe he works well with Gardner or Riley. I mean, that was that's a huge jump to put him in a top four role so quickly after him having joined the league. But, um, yeah, I mean, there's those gaffes part of the way through the game or some parts of in some parts of the game where he just, you, he, he sends it right to a four checker out right in the tape as Anthony said in it, you kind of go, well, that's, that's Babcock probably looking at his, his lineup going well. I think maybe Justin Hall is going to happen, hopping in the, the next <laughs> game or, or or whatever. But, um, yeah, I, it's, um uh, it's, they've got some they've got some troubles there it's definitely not uh, one of the things we were looking at was you know was was Zaytsev going to be better this year was he going to be like he was in the first year and that hasn't happened yet and it makes Hainsey look worse and it makes Ozyganov look worse you know what I mean like there's no there's nowhere to to hide anyone (laughs) I don't uh... and I
2: guess the one other the other guy that has been factoring in there is Marty Marincin which to your point about Hall like we know Marincin wasn't bad but like we we know what he is and that's a guy who's a seven or an eight and he can step in and, and play the PK for you. But like, why not find out what Hall is, uh, Anthony? Are you a little surprised? Like we're 10 games in here. It's, it looks like he's not going to play again tomorrow against Winnipeg. So uh, it just it just feels like he hasn't really been given the luck he should have been given.
0: I, I'm, I was actually more, what was the point of him making the team? I, I thought he was bad in preseason. And I love Justin Hole last preseason. Obviously, he looked good in his time with the team, but this this year it was surprising to me that he even made the team because I he did not have a good preseason at all. Now,
2: it's well, a waiver consideration, yeah, right? Yeah. So,
0: do I judge a guy solely off his preseason? No, he was really good for the Marlies in the playoffs. But so was Callie Rosen, and you know he's not here. So, um. I don't know. I don't think he's saving the defense.
2: In, in fairness, in fairness to him, he only played two games last year, but they were a hell of a lot better than, than the two or three we saw from Rosen. Yeah,
0: but if we're if we're blank slating their defense, like just in some hypothetical world, and you're keeping guys to then build around, who are you keeping? Riley, Dermott, the end?
2: Maybe Ozzie Ganoff? Well, they're gonna. Maybe. We've talked about it. They're gonna keep Gardner. But yeah. Are they? I don't know. I guess. They, I think so. You don't. I, I mean, we talked about this in the summer, I and mean, we were almost in unanimous you know, consensus on the fact that like they've been cryptic on it. They're it's probably signing him, right? Like Dubas isn't letting him go without a. I maybe does, does Sandine's camp change that a little bit? I don't know. Like it's hard to bank on him inside two to three years to be the player that, that Gardner is right now, right? Yeah.
1: I I think Babcock. Well, I know that Babcock really likes him, and and obviously has a big fan, in and, and Dubas. I don't. I don't know. It, he'd have to take a bit of a haircut to, to stay here. He couldn't he can make a lot of money um, in the open market. And I always
2: think to Marlo's contract there when it comes to do you have space for Gardner and is is Marlo playing
1: another year? Well, he's, got a, he's got he's yeah. got a front-loaded contract with signing bonuses isn't it? Right. So after after July 1st, you are able to, to I
2: think 95, I think 95% of his contract's up by July yeah. 1st. So putting a bow a bit on on the defense like every one of these pairings obviously has a some big time some big time flaws, but as a I guess in defense of the, the the blue line unit as a whole, the team unit, like they don't really support the defense well enough and that's nothing new if you're a Leafs fan who wasn't born yesterday. Like the, the four group doesn't do a good enough job as far as staying above the puck is starting and stopping defensively. They're blowing the zone still and cheating for offense regularly. So it's like it's sort of the same old story there. To me, like the young core of the team up front is not going to figure out how to play defense like seasoned veterans this year. And to me, the blue line is not going to get fixed this year because the piece they need, which you've talked about, isn't falling off the trade tree anytime soon. So what could get fixed, maybe Anthony is getting this team playing in a more organized five man unit, breaking out better first and foremost. And I think, if you could establishing more of a four-check game so that it isn't defending as often and spending, you know, and, and obviously spending a lot more time in the Ozone. So a lot of that to me is on Babcock, but there's also some of it that's on Dubis, because I do think they need a personnel alteration alteration to diversify that forward group a little bit and add a, sort of a heavy body who can play the game with skill. And I think that totally explains the Josh Anderson interest from Dubis. Like he did not address the lightness on the wings properly over the offseason certainly a flyer on tyler ennis did not do that he
0: exasperated it (laughs) they just got smaller and weaker
2: they got smaller and weaker but that doesn't i think the hopeful thing that comes out of the anderson interest whether it happens or not is that he's not completely unaware of that and i also think his marley's teams weren't totally without it so that would make me believe he doesn't totally not value it do you do you sort of see that Anthony is the only way that this team's getting where it needs to go defensively is it actually needs to spend more time in the o ozone uh, with a bit heavier up front. Like that seems like a more fixable thing in the near term than addressing all of what we just talked about. That's wrong with the blue. line. Yeah.
0: The forwards could also just be better defensively, which you basically yeah, said, yeah. I mean, they're not like, they're not great in their own zone. They don't pursue the puck. Well, they don't track back. Well, um, you know, how often are we watching guys go for the the cute stick lift, which is great. It, it looks great when it works, but when it doesn't, the other team gets scoring opportunities, right? They're consistently on the wrong side of the puck when they're battling, which makes it tough. Um, and by that, I mean you see it a lot in the neutral zone where the forward on the Leafs is trying to poke through, and if he loses the battle, which... For the Leafs, we know <laughs> they lose more battles than they win when it comes to physicality, especially against good teams. Um, the Leafs forward is closer to the other team's net, and the other team is closer to the Leafs net and with puck. So that doesn't help. Um, and then we get we get guys uh, getting beat off the rush defensively. I, I think at this point... Uh, I mean, we can we can talk about the personnel till we're blue in the face. At some point, it just has to change, right? Um, that that's where it's at. The mix
2: is the mix isn't right. Yeah. And on on those things you were talking about, as far as how they handle physical confrontation, how they play a heavy game, uh, how they compete in games that go that way, this Winnipeg back to back is going to be really interesting to see exactly whether they're they're capable of elevating uh especially coming after a couple of wake-up calls against pittsburgh and and st louis in that in that respect declan do you have anything to add just before we move on to the nylander stuff as far as how like how this team's playing as five-man units whether or not you know you're a little bit discouraged because like it feels like this feels like we're we're talking about the same day yeah for two, two years
1: well part of that is the way i think the league's changed a little bit as well like if you look at uh if you look at how how we're tracking possession now. Like, last year, it was it Carolina was first in the league in possession and, like, Car- uh, Calgary was third or fourth. Toronto was, like, uh, I think 15th or 17th. Um, not, like, they're not a good possession team, period. Well, um, even, igno- even
2: ignoring it, the numbers, Declan, like, Washington wasn't a, a great – possession team last year, if I recall correctly, but it's just sub, sub 50%. Yeah. yeah. That ability to play that heavy game when the playoff comes, it was there. Like they're, they're, they, they, they push Elise around, um, in their series and then they Obviously, yeah. were a- battle scarred and able to do it um last year on the route to the cup win so yeah
1: well what, one of the things that the leafs are trying to do right now is affect scoring chances and the so they're a middling pet possession team but i think they were top five in scoring chances for and against combined as, as a percentage and and um and making good in them I think they're top three so they're they're clearly just paying attention to scoring chances right now and they're sort of ignoring the babcock style of of Detroit possession, where you're you've got the puck constantly. You're trying to create outman uh, foot races and things like that. But there's not a I don't think there's a good mix. I don't know if it's personnel or, or if they're leaning too heavily on trying to generate scoring chances. Um, but it doesn't. I I think it erodes the team's confidence a little bit when you're icing the puck constantly and you don't have the puck a lot. Like you've played hockey, you know what a game feels like when you don't have the puck a lot. You it subconsciously it starts to affect you. You go, you know, we're getting our our ass kicked here, and it doesn't feel good. But you know we're generating rush chances or this or that. You know, I, I just don't think this, it's a great mix at the moment. I know what they're trying to do. I think they're trying to play like a, a Pittsburgh style, where they're um, the flip outs and the chip outs and stuff like that, and creating uh, foot races. But it, you've got to have a, a a
2: plan B and a plan C when it comes to breaking the puck out. Which I think that Pittsburgh could series, also just lock it down and play heavy as well. I mean, well they did. They did against the Leafs. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, they have that game in them. And that's what I'm concerned about with the Leafs, that they don't. Um, they have to have a different look. And Boston is the same way. They Boston, as a team, can open it up a little bit when they need to. They're not the fastest team. They're not the best at playing that kind of game. But what was obvious when you watched them is that they had an ability to – they had two or three breakouts that they had available to them, and they could play that short game in addition to the the stretch stuff the Leafs seem to over-rely on constantly. So let's jump into – the Neilander stuff before we wrap up because we only have a few minutes. There seems to be a a bit of a, I guess as of Tuesday, a little bit new uh, sort of level of urgency to this based on just what I'm hearing and reading. But it's obviously not done yet and there is no actual hard deadline until December 1st. I think the one thing worth pointing out here before I get your guys on this is the everyone's calling Neilander's agent dumb for throwing money away for his client. Certainly, you can make an argument that he's dumb for potentially tarnishing his client's reputation, but the Leafs could actually make Nylander... I've been seeing this point made over and over again, so I just wanted to address it. the Leafs could actually make Nylander whole with signing bonuses if they wanted to. I was talking to an agent today about that. He was saying that he he could be made whole on any lost wages from the past few weeks from signing bonus, and that's actually what was built into that offer sheet that Ryan O'Reilly signed was that he signed, I think it was like 50 or 75% of his salary wasn't signing bonus. So the Leafs could get him at a number they're happy with or at least content with. They could do that as sort of a way of making this whole thing sort of water under the bridge as much as possible. So my prediction the whole time, boys, is then that this gets done at six years and $6.5 That has gotten a little bit harder to believe as we've gotten into late October that we actually could see something long-term. Certainly, the, the 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 sort of the the overall consensus of the, consensus in the media in the last week or so has been starting to trend towards bridge deal. That said, today I think it was Nick Kiprios who mentioned that six or six years, six point five to seven million might be something that's still on the table and something that they're working on right now. Anthony, how do you see this resolving? When do you see it see it resolving? And and what term and dollar are you figuring?
0: Uh, I'll start by saying I don't have any inside info on it. I know people ask about the Nylander thing, and the tough thing to talk about with any deal like this is, I mean, this guy could wake up tomorrow and change his mind, right? Uh, until it's done, you, you don't know. It, it's too hard to, to even, posh, like, posture it. Like, sometimes you get a player who becomes a free agent. When Brad Richards became a free agent, we all kind of knew the Rangers were the top choice, very different, right? That, you know, this is the kind of team that he's looking to go to. Um, you know, we could kind of predict those kinds of things to some degree, but when it's a contract negotiation, especially one that's been um, not ugly, but um, some tension, it's hard to figure out exactly what will happen at the end of the day, but you're right. like It seems that six-year 6, uh, six year, Six and a half seems to be on the table. I think that's a win for the Leafs. Um, w-
1: Isn't this what we were talking about in like July? Those numbers, th- that term. Like, how does it how does it get to the point where we're now ten games into the season and we're talking about the same numbers? Is it is there is there more to it? Where there's you know he's not happy not being on the first power play or is there something else going on there cuz this seems like a really simple negotiation to me to do there's very clear and easy comparables but now we're the, it it's what people predicted in the summer is is basically what's being floated out there right now I don't
0: now. think so and the the negotiation's not done and and he still probably wants more money than that and I don't blame him I I think at this point it won't happen for this season but next season if he throws up set between 75 and 85 points, which he's definitely capable of doing, he's probably underpaid. Yeah. Right? So I think that's where his head's at. And I said that in the summer, that that's what would be the tough negotiation, that he would take whatever money that he's getting and then almost instantly be underpaid. And I think that's pissing him
1: off that's that's happening with everyone in the second contract that are welcome you know, first... welcome
2: to welcome to the second contract of, an R, of a high profile RFA. yeah go talk
1: to go talk to mckinnon about it go talk to taylor hall about yeah, it right and he wants to avoid that
0: but if you're that's not happening to matthews i'll tell you that he's gonna get paid and he's not gonna different be, caliber yeah, player. of course. i'm not comparing them at all but that but that's the issue right we we said in the summer and it still holds true they can't afford to just like lose this negotiation they can't. Mm-hmm. Six and a half to me is a relative win. Um, I won't speculate what would happen at the end of those years. Um, but I think that would be quite obvious. But six and a half a year, six would be a win. Seven mil a year might give me some pause. Be like, eh, it's a bit it's a bit pricey. Not that he'd be overpaid, but it would just be a bit pricey in terms... Of-
1: Still on six years, though. Yeah.
0: I mean, that, that's not the issue contracts on the team, right? That clearly right now it's Marlowe and it's of yeah right
2: we'll get into knee more if he does sign we don't want to do too crazy with that if he does sign in the next couple of days which we would no guarantee of but it does sound a little bit more likely than it did just two or three days ago so thanks everyone for tuning in we'll make sure that our next one isn't as long in coming as as our last uh we'll talk to you soon
1: You've been listening to the Maple Leafs Hot Stove Podcast. For news, opinion, and analysis, make sure to go to mapleleafshotstove.com and join the conversation. Thanks for listening.